And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am about to take my first sip of the truly watermelon seltzer. Based on the, the scent of it, I don't think I'm going to enjoy the experience. And this is just watermelon seltzer, not watermelon. It is the hard seltzer. Lemonade? Oh, wait. No, you're right. It is the watermelon lemonade hard seltzer. Oh, but then is okay. it a seltzer if it's lemonade? No. How is it? Okay, folks, he put his mouth on the straw. He sucked oh. in. Oh. Yep. The face sounds exactly like what that sounds like. Oh, that's awful. The face looks what that sounds like. That's awful. That is. Is it? That is a watermelon Jolly Rancher that has been slightly melted and. Do you, do you remember that time that you brought over, uh, I think it was like sour Jolly Rancher apple Pop-Tarts? Yes. Those were disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. On a scale of one to Jolly I had Rancher a second, apple pop I had a second sip. It's just so sweet. Maybe it's because I've changed my diet recently, but it is so ridiculously sweet like there's no lemon flavor in there at all it is Mm. just that artificial watermelon flavor okay yeah as soon as i can get it down a little i'll mix in one of my blueberry pomegranate uh have you have you tried the mango not yet i debated it but the watermelon one was closer to where my hand was when i reached for it so awesome that's how i decide things (laughs) that's fine that's fine. How are you, Doc? What's new in the the Manson world? Nothing really. Um, nothing really going on over here. Just living life. Certainly nothing going on in the world of professional wrestling. No big news over the past week for us to talk can about. You, here. Can you hear the children outside my window? I can't. I. Uh, you know, I've talked about this in a in a Joy of Booking podcast. There's like a flock of like eight or nine kids who seem to think that the yard outside both of our, you know, the, the bay window of our living room and then the window here for this room is just a play. Like I'll look outside and like I could I could hit, like flick their ears if I were able to reach through the screen. Like you do, you do realize you live in a, an apartment complex, right? Yeah, but the children have never been this bold before. <laughs> They're encroaching <laughs> on my turf. They're on my lawn. Uh, it's a communal lawn. It is a communal lawn. You're you're right. Uh, there is so much to talk about. We uh, sat for a spell on the piece of business airwaves uh, Saturday and talked to uh, our good buddy Glenn. About uh, the biggest news, I think, of the week. But so I do recommend you go check that out. But uh, it's been a few days since then. Uh, Any additional thoughts? Any thoughts on, you know, Vince McMahon's situation? Did it lead to you watching Raw or NXT? Are you now slightly curious about the WWE product? Not really. 
No. Um, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to hear about changes that are incorporated into the WWE product over this next short period of time, mm-hmm. if any, and there might not be any. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, part of it, maybe I realized that I don't have any way to watch wrestling live anymore. Um, so even if I had wanted to tune in for raw, just out of morbid curiosity, I couldn't have at least not until the next day or whatever. So that kind of discourages me from checking it out at all, because by that point I can sort of just get the temperature from Twitter and it sounds like a whole lot of nothing really. So, well, okay. So, you know, so far, so, so I'll ask you this question and we may have covered this on Saturday, but as always, we forget as soon as we, you know, Stop recording. We forget what we talked about. You have always said you have find it hard to support a company with Vince McMahon at the helm. Well, now Vince McMahon is not at the helm. Does that, you know, how do you, how are you feeling about potentially supporting this product now that it is a Stephanie McMahon, Nick Khan, Triple H uh, run show? I feel a bit better about it. Although, again, I think the company as a whole is going to have to show me some changes. Um, They keep signing contracts to go back to Saudi Arabia. And, I mean, I'm not sure that anything there has changed. So, you know, it's not it wasn't all Vince. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, What in your mind? What can we reasonably expect to see? You know, I watched the first 90 minutes of Raw, and it felt very much like a different sort of show. Then you learn the next day that supposedly Vince McMahon had already written that show before he retired. So all it is is just optics. I think it's going to be different. Therefore, it feels different. Granted, I haven't watched a Raw in God knows how long. Um, Yeah. And on, on the other side of that, I mean, I saw people, I think, in similar situation on Twitter saying they tuned into Raw. And within five minutes, there were so many god-awful camera cuts, they turned it back off. So I think there were plenty of people who said, oh, yeah, no, this looks like the same bullshit product, which, again, makes sense. Kevin Dunn's not going anywhere, at least not not yet, maybe in the near future. Mm, but, I mean, not, not yet. yet. So. Not yet. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't expect really much of it or any differences um, in the short term, which I don't know. I we'll see, I guess we'll see. Uh, Everyone is always, you know, everyone is now assuming that uh, Triple H is going to get on the horn and call all of his former NXT folk and, you know, say we're getting the band back together. So I have a couple of names here. Uh, and what I'd like you to do is uh, put them in a ranking, a pro wrestler ranking, if you will. In ter- How many names? In t- four. Okay. In terms of the likelihood that they, like who is likelihood of being the first one to return to WWE programming. Okay. Johnny Gargano. 
Number one. Bray Wyatt, Sasha Banks, John Moxley. Johnny Gargano is number one, and all the others are number four. Tied at fourth place. Okay. Like Bray Wyatt, I I don't I don't know what's up with Bray Wyatt, but it sure seemed like that company was frustrated working with him. I mean, is is Bray Wyatt friends with Triple H? Is is that a known thing? No. But everyone just figures everyone assumes that magically Vince McMahon's gonna go away. Goldberg's never going to come back. Um, I just don't know that there's any money to be had in bringing back Bray Wyatt at this junction. It might be different if he had ended up in AEW or somewhere and showed that that gimmick could work when given creative freedom mm -hmm. of some sort. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just not sure that it's needed right now. Although, you know, let me take a step back for a second here because... I was. I think I've been thinking about Bray Wyatt in terms of coming into AEW, and I think he is very much not needed in AEW. Oh, no. There's plenty of wrestle spooky going on in AEW that to throw another character like that in there would be pointless. However, and again, I haven't watched in a while, but I'm trying to think of who is wrestle spooky now in the WWE, and Joe Gacy. I, who? And you'd have to go to NXT and Joe Gacy and his dyad of the former grizzled young veterans who are now under new names with shaved beards. And, you know, that's OK. So Bray Wyatt, at least in that capacity, could make some sense in the WWE up back on the main roster. Um, but I don't, I don't know for sure. And then as for Sasha Banks, OK, yeah, maybe I, I feel like I Sasha Banks probably has a better relationship with Triple H given that she, you know, was featured very heavily in NXT back when it was his sort of creative dog and pony show, right? Yeah. So I guess maybe she's ranked at number two as a result. But the thing I, I want to stress here, though, is Sasha Banks took her ball and she went home and she didn't do business. You know what I mean? She refused to fulfill the terms of her contract. And that's different from what a lot of other wrestlers have done in the past. Like even Brock Lesnar, you heard he went home after hearing that Vince McMahon was retiring on Friday night for SmackDown, but he came back assumedly when the company reached out to him and said, Hey, you got to come back. And I'm sure at some point somebody said, Hey, you know, you got a contract mm -hmm. and maybe they said, hey, maybe we'll throw a couple more dollars your way. I don't know. But you know, he came back. Yeah. Sasha Banks has not come back. Um, so well, yes, maybe he can repair that relationship on a personal level. I have to imagine there's plenty of other people in that company who are like, yeah, we can't trust her. We can't bring her back. It's That's a waste of investment. No, I, I fully agree because it's been proven now multiple times. Uh, and, you know, everybody hates when you, you know, talk badly about Sasha Banks. But when she's not satisfied with the direction that, you know, when she's not getting what she wants, she'll just stop coming to work. Like, and that's not being a team player. No. And they they don't they don't need that. They just don't need that. So I, I, I don't know. So I think that's maybe number two based off of the personal connection. But I still think very unlikely why I initially said everybody was tied at number four. And what was the last name you had mentioned? Uh, John Moxley. <laughs> Yeah, I don't 
I don't think he's got much interest. I Again, I think we're going to get to this uh, in an email uh, that Rachel has alluded to, but I'm more referring to some sort of, you know, does Vince McMahon not being there open the door for um, it to be more likely that there's a crossover WWE AEW event? Don't know. How much, you know, they, they have to uh, – Saudi Arabia has to offer up a bunch of money. How much cocaine will the WWE need to offer Tony Khan before he's willing to do that? I think it'd have to go the other way. I think Tony Khan would be the one paying the money here. He's the one who was in the game yeah. by a partnership with the WWE. So. Uh, speaking of Tony Khan, you watched a little pay-per-view uh, recently. Kind of yeah. got lost in the shuffle with all of the WWE news. Uh, what did you think of Death Before Dishonor 2022? Overall, pretty good show. I enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I'm not the sort of person that likes watching wrestling for wrestling. Um, I tend to like the storylines, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being committed that way. But, like, the thing I, I, I've had to come more accustomed to this last year watching AEW shows without watching the weekly product is I kind of just have to enjoy the show for what it is. And I think that was especially true for the prior event that we watched, which was, of course, the AEW Cross New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who 50% of the people on that card were. Like, I didn't even know their names. You know what I mean? And so I think actually watching Forbidden Door was a very good primer for me to watch Death Before Dishonor. Because, again, there was a lot of people on that card that I just had no idea who they were. So, therefore, it was impossible for me to be going into the show with any sort of investment in anything that was happening. Um, but that said, overall, pretty good pretty good show. Um, I do feel like some things were kind of lackluster, maybe. But that might just be... You know, I had expectations going into the show because, you know, for example, you told me on the show, I forget what his first name is. Is it Jonathan? Jonathan Gresham? You told me before that he was this excellent technician. He was the Daniel Bryan of Ring of Honor Mm -hmm. now or whatever. Um, I didn't see any of that in that match. Um, And then not only did I not see any of that in that match, I I, what I saw was six foot five Claudio Castagnoli versus four foot eight Jonathan Gresham. And because of the giant height difference, like there was so many awkward like transitions Mm -hmm. in the match that it was really a very lackluster match. It was probably the, the least fulfilling match on the card that night. Did it now come to find out. Okay. I mean, come to find out the next day, it sounds like maybe there was something else going on there. It sounds like Gresham maybe is all done with Ring of Honor. He didn't like the direction that Tony Khan uh, was going. But, you know, I don't really care who you are. If you're a professional working in a business, if you're the champion and your promoter tells you you're dropping the title tonight, I kind of feel like you need to go out there and give the best damn match you can give. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's what Gresham did, which to me, as a guy who doesn't know anything about this Gresham guy, now I think of him as... Oh, he's that prima donna who thought he was too good for the show. Yeah, Uh, so that doesn't endear him. He didn't even come out with his entry. You know, he's got usually like a almost Cthulhu like octopus mask and like a big coat, and 
you know, I watched his entrance and I, he just presented as somebody who didn't want to do this, you know, was on the show first, maybe just because I didn't he, pick up on any of that the night of. And maybe it's easy to read into that the next day. But what I did pick up the night of was this is not a great match. Yeah. Which is a shame because, you know, it it really overshadowed, you know, this arrival moment for Claudio and everyone's calling him a world champion. Now, I went on to Twitter and was debating, you know, are all world titles created equal? Um, And they're not. But, you know, but it's supposed to be a big moment for him. And it gets overshadowed by, like you said, somebody again, another person taking their ball and going home. Yeah. had you you had seen Dalton Castle before, correct? If I've seen him before, it wasn't with that gimmick. Is he the peacock with the? Yeah, yeah. No, that's the um, same. Okay, then you haven't seen Dalton Castle because that's what he's been like for like five years, if not longer. Okay, um, I think I may have seen him at one time in Impact, mm-hmm. but I don't remember his gimmick. I guess. Yeah. So good. I find I like the the wrestler. The gimmick, after you've seen it two or three times, you're kind of like, okay. I was far more excited by um, some of the people that he was facing uh, as part of the righteous. Um, I'm not sure which one it is, but one of them is you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Now I have to look it up. He was, it was this big bearded dude dressed all in white like he was Colonel Sanders. <laughs> but like okay. I just was like, "Oh my goodness, that is DC if he was going to get into a wrestling ring." Let me see here. No, probably not Bateman with the Simon Gotch sort of swirly mustache, which means I must be looking for Dutch, which which is a name, you know. I would I would probably <laughs> need to be some sort of you know, single syllable, Ring of Honor, Dutch. He looks like the big boss man from this picture. I'll take a big okay. boss Okay, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. okay. Uh, yeah, this picture here shows him in like an Eric Rowan style, like apron or, th- yeah, but. He was not dressed like that. He was dressed all in nice. White. Like dress clothes, white pants, white button down shirt, like like Colonel Sanders. Um, but like a tight white shirt. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was all right. It was all right. And I thought that that was a, that was an entertaining match. I wasn't super engaged in it. There was nobody there that I really knew. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, I thought that was, a, that was a good, that can be fun. Tag match. It can be fun yeah. to, you know, to learn about new people in that situation. But well, I, I appreciate it. I'll take this comparison now that I'm seeing some, some pictures here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> What's your take on Wheeler Yuta? Wheeler Yuta, I saw him also at Forbidden Door, um, so I kind of knew that he was decent. And yeah, that was a good match too with him and Daniel Garcia. Mm-hmm. Daniel Garcia, I'm not a big fan of. He makes some real stupid facial expressions. Um, But, you know, are decent we, enough between the ropes. Are we sure this isn't Bray Wyatt? We're not sure. No, he <laughs> looks. He sure looks a little Wyatt. bit like Bray Wyatt here, and I a little bit. I think he's taller, but I don't know that for sure. It just Bray Wyatt strikes me as stockier, but yeah, I'm trying to get a better 
picture here. Uh, Daniel Garcia is very much that indie wrestler who's trying to emote to the back row, forgetting there's a hard camera so you don't have to emote that hard. He comes across very high school um, musical in terms of his acting abilities, I would say. Um, also, because of that last name, the Garcia name, I feel like he's trying to crib undue respect from the the UFC fighter um, Alex or something like that. Alex Garcia, Alicia Garcia. I, I'm just Alexander. very impressed. I don't know. I'm what his just name very is. impressed. I don't you're talking about a UFC fighter. Now he looks like Jim Knight. If Jim Neidhart and like Big Bubba Rogers had, I, I'm gonna buy a white suit just for you. Get some tinted sunglasses. Yes. I'm gonna call you Colonel Sanders, though. <laughs> not Dutch. Um, but yeah, so that was overall a good match. But that uh, had nothing on the next match, which was Roosh versus Dragon Lee. And holy shit balls, that was a great match. That was exciting. I've seen Dragon Lee. I don't know that I've seen Roosh. It was good. It was a good match. There, it was a build as a brother versus brother match. I don't know if they are actually brothers or if that's just a kayfabe thing. I don't know. But it was a luchador-style, fast-paced, crazy, all sorts of high-flying maneuvers. At one point, Roosh, like, did, like, uh, a back... I don't know if it was a back body trap, whatever. He was on the apron, and he flung Dragon Lee off the damn apron. He did a backflip and landed on the mats on his back. Like, it was... Hard hitting. Wikipedia, in between begging me for money, has told me they are actually brothers. All right, then. Now I want to watch them wrestle uh, Phoenix and uh, Pentagon. Pentagon. What are you eating? What do you got over there? I got myself a slice of key lime pie. <sighs> Delicious. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. Really good match. Um, they followed that up with Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb. Mm-hmm. Two really good women's wrestlers who apparently have no chemistry together because that match was a snooze fest. Like it was not exciting. And maybe they had the uh, inevitable task of having to follow up the Roosh and Dragon Lee sure. matchup. But it Serena Deeb like looked like she was moving through molasses. Like she, they call her the professor, but like I was not getting like technical acumen from her. I remember her very favorably um, from her stints in WWE, um, you know, around the time with CM Punk there as part of the straight edge society. But yeah, I don't know that match. I don't think did anything for either competitor. Uh, it did not seem like they had much chemistry that night. Disappointing as the only women's match on the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, then that was left us with Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. That was a great. I was going to say on paper you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, you and you could not go wrong with that. That was indeed a great match. Samoa Joe doing his most Samoa Joey stuff. Sure. The one thing I will say, looking at Samoa Joe in that match. And I'm not trying to body shame anybody here, but he is not in the best shape of his life. No. Um, I feel like, like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like he's got to 
Uh, I feel like he's got to get like back to where he was even just a couple years ago in NXT because I'm not sure he can have a long career in that kind of shape with the type of hard hitting um, bumps and stuff that he that he tends to take. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid of any of that stuff, but I'm just not sure that Styles going to agree with him long term. But I mean, we kind of saw that in NXT. I'm sorry, in the WWE, right? Like he just kept getting injured. So maybe there's something there now that he's getting older. And I won't say he's accident prone, but, you know, injury prone, yeah. perhaps. Which um, and maybe it's just a fact of age. Well, and know. also, you know, I apologize to Samoa Joe, but the more out of shape you are, the more likely you are to be injured. And then that get left us which, uh, with the match of the night. Maybe match of the year. FTR versus the Briscoe brothers in a phenomenal piece of tag team wrestling. Just mwah. Just mwah. Good. Like shades of FTR, American Alpha from NXT. Ugh. The type of tag team wrestling that I want to see. Yeah. It, it that, it's so funny to me because WWE could give could, does not care one iota about tag team wrestling. They are they are decorations for the um, for the Usos to help you know to help tell the bloodline story. The women's tag there are currently no women's tag team champions, which is an entire other discussion. I'm pretty sure, but. It's just nobody cares. They they don't seem to prioritize tag team wrestling, which is a shame because when it is done well, it is borderline better than singles wrestling because now you have four people telling a story, not just two. So uh, I just can't. I just want to comment briefly on the fact that uh, the f- person ostensibly in charge of creative when the revival and American alpha were feuding mm-hmm. has just recently um, come into some creative power yes. on the main WWE brands, which could bode well for the future of tag team wrestling. I mean, I think this, I think that I'm not, I'm not convinced that any changes will be made, but I think right now, AEW is in the unenviable position where they just might now have to fight against not NXT. They're not fighting against the minor league show of the major brand. Yeah. They're potentially now lined up to be feuding with the biggest brand of the WWE. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Triple H does put together a product... That is more like NXT 1.0. If he's allowed to, mm-hmm. that is going to take away from AEW because wrestling fans will have a place to go. They will have an alternative. Because I got to tell you, one of the big draws of AEW, at least in my mind, is it's actually professional wrestling. Sure. If you're a professional wrestling fan, I feel like AEW is the only game in town. I, I just think what WWE has been doing, it's sports entertainment, and it's not the same thing. And I know, you know, Jeremy probably would disagree, and there's plenty of others that are like that. But I think that's 
When you look at the fans of AEW, they're the people who would say to you, I just want the professional wrestling. And if that's what they start putting on Raw, well, Tony Khan better start counting his money because it ain't going to be with him for very long. Well, that's what I felt about the first hour of Raw. You know, it was what I liked about it was, first of all, you start with, you know, you don't even get the pyro in the usual opening. Like the, the, the camera start, like the camera turns on and the Miz and Logan Paul are having a brawl. Which, you know, you can decide how you feel about that storyline. But just the fact that that's how we're kicking off the show with, you know, like there are the officials are already there trying to pull them apart. They're jumping on each other like that was entertaining. And then you have, you know, the bloodline come out. Of course, that's the your biggest stars of the show. They're quickly interrupted by Theory, who's got the money in the bank briefcase there's interaction there um you know roman makes a joke about how your daddy's not here anymore since theory was kind of the new chosen one for vince mcmahon before vince mcmahon i just i just think that's really really funny because for the last decade roman reigns has been daddy's little boy who if he hadn't been the chosen one he would have been out on his ass so far and so hard and so long ago. How long did did, did Miss Vince McMahon just keep force oh, feeding us years. Roman Reigns? Years and years. Until and years. now, yes, I admit it. People like Roman Reigns now, but come on. Remember that time you got hit with the Money in the Bank briefcase? I do. And then you like I tweeted do. about it and got famous. That was great. Uh, but you know, then it leads to theory taking on. Uh, then Drew, you know, Theory stays in the ring. He's cutting his own promo. Drew McIntyre comes out. They have a match. Then Sheamus. So you know, and then eventually the Usos come back in. So it's you know, it's essentially it was very much like you know, almost like uh, an amateur you know a theater production in that different cast members leave and come back, but it's like a single story is being told that involves all of these people. Um. You know, then it fell off the rails in the second hour, which is when I, you know, decided to turn in for the night. But I, I feel like, you know, things seem to be heading in a good direction. According to Twitter, there was a tryout today, the SummerSlam week tryout. Paul Heyman was there to sort of help evaluate talent. I think Paul Heyman being involved is never going to be a bad thing. Uh, indie talent was there. I don't know what qualifies as indie talent anymore, considering how many people are in AEW or other promotions. But, uh, you know, I, I think I totally get what you're saying in that, you know, if Triple H is allowed to, you know, do some of what he did, they're in trouble. And by they, I mean, AEW, they're going to have to work pretty hard to, uh, keep up just one other thing i wanted to mention with the retirement of vince mcmahon and you know thinking about you know the shows and how they are presented and put together and all of that one thing i'm i am most interested to hear about over the coming weeks is michael cole i want to know how his commentary is now that we don't have an 80 year old billionaire screaming in his ear every live second that he is live on the air. I mean, to hear the dirt sheets say that's what it's been for the last, you know, 20 years of his career. Sure. I'm sort of curious. Um, 
I don't see Triple H doing the same thing at this point. So I kind of, I kind of, I kind of wonder what 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 Michael Cole is like. What, left to his own devices. What's interesting is, I feel like since Pat McAfee joined Michael Cole as the announced team of SmackDown, it feels to me like he's not having someone screaming in his ear anymore. It almost feels like they're like, look, you know what you're doing. Pat McAfee is just naturally entertaining at this. So let's just let the two of you kind of go do your thing. And, you know, they're having fun. There was a, you know, video of them, um, you know, during Liv Morgan's cash in. And, you know, and we've seen on a couple of occasions, Michael Cole be able to do commentary when like Vince would, you know, some tournament or something he can be very good he's been doing this for 20 years or so he can be very good uh you know i i am intrigued to see how the presentation changes is nxt gonna change because it is now very much a high school soap opera where lots of people trying to get in lots of other people's pants and that's not curiosity just before vince's retirement who was in charge of creative in nxt I had heard that it was a Vince McMahon project, sort of. So what had happened was, became 2.0. You know, Triple H has his heart issue. He needs to kind of leave. Um, they had relied on a combination, like Shawn Michaels had taken over some of it. Um, you know, they had a couple of the brain trust. Then eventually, yes, WWE started to have more of a hand. But even before that, I almost feel like this. You know, Shawn Michaels was in wrestling in the mid '90s. When it was very much a, you know, here's Sonny and she's chasing the belts and she'll do whatever it takes with whomever it takes to get, you know, to be part of those titles. And so some of that sophomoric stuff I would attribute in some way to Shawn Michaels and also Vince McMahon for sure. But, you know, if you were to watch NXT and I want you to only so I can hear you rant about it afterwards, um, you would you would think this is this is the exact opposite in many ways of what NXT used to be, like you said, that 1.0 uh, version. I mean, there's a reason I stopped watching it. Yeah. Uh, will you be checking out SummerSlam this weekend? That seems unlikely. I know I saw an article today where people were speculating, ah, Triple H is going to try to leave his mark on the first big show that he's in charge of. I don't know that I, I don't know that he will. I don't know that I would. If I was if I came into something, like when I came in as a manager in my current position, like when I was first taking over, I kind of just said, Let, well, let's let's just finish up what was set in motion here. Yeah. And we'll start thinking about our own thing after that. Like, I would tend to think the raw after exactly. SummerSlam. Exactly. I'm much more interested in Monday. And even, you know, they're building to this clash at the castle, which is this UK pay-per-view that's a very big deal. They can't stop talking about it on on the WWE TV. Um, you know, obviously there's plans in place. And I would imagine since Vince McMahon owns millions of shares of this company, you know, Triple H might be like, well, let's keep some of these. He's got like 70,000 shares. I don't know. I saw something where he's maybe that was it, but like he sold some of his shares, but it was only 0.1% of the number of shares he had, which seems ridiculous. But again, I don't, that is not an area of pro wrestling that I am well versed in, but 
I, you know, I do wonder if we'll see the Raw after main, uh, SummerSlam, rather. That's where I think we'll see some changes. Now, granted, Seth Rollins was supposed to face Riddle. Supposedly, Riddle got injured. I don't know if Rollins actually injured him. Wouldn't surprise me. This is Seth Rollins, after all. Or if, you know, Riddle was actually hurt beforehand, but now Rollins doesn't have an opponent. So now everyone, of course, is speculating, is it Gargano? Is it going to be Bray Wyatt? Is it going to be, you know, is somebody going to, you know, show up or maybe get called up or something like that to... Don't they have, like, 80 people on the roster who... They have a ton of people. Any storylines? So many people, in fact... That you got to think after SummerSlam with Nick Khan and Steph, you know, there's going to be some cuts because there are a lot of people right now who aren't doing anything. I mean, wouldn't you pick one of those to be his opponent? Uh, you you want to throw Mustafa Ali out there and like some don't. But what are you going to do? Throw our truth out there? No, that's the problem. You know, you're going to They must have somebody who they've been using who just isn't in a program, though. I, I haven't been watching, so I, I can't name who that person is. But there's there's always someone left off of a card. Gunther. There you go. Put Gunther out there. I watched a little bit of Smackdown. The storyline that they are telling with him and his associate Ludwig Kaiser is rough but in a good way like oh so you know gunther's obviously feuding with shinsuke i'm surprised that match hasn't been announced for SummerSlam. i don't think i don't know maybe they just don't feel like they have enough time but um so you know ludwig kaiser is wrestling shinsuke loses and they're like gunther's basically like essentially and they're all talking in austrian or german or whatever so you don't know what the exact but Clearly, Ludwig standing up for his punishment, and Gunther just stops chopping him because his chops, as you've you know, are so, the thing. So yeah. last week, Ludwig wrestles Shinsuke again, manages to win. I think interference. Uh, Gunther had to help, and so it looks like Gunther's going to make Ludwig take another chop. But you know, so you see all of this emotion on Ludwig's face as he's getting ready for it, and then. Gunther like puts his arm around him and you know gives him a smile and the, you see the relief on his face and all of that and as soon as Ludwig's body react relaxes Gunther just smashes him in the chest and he falls like like it sounded and like these a, are his friends yeah it sounded like a gunch I don't know I'm wondering you know, like are they trying to build him up as a heel because he's super over everyone loves him um so Ludwig. Feels like it. No, not Ludwig. Gunther. Gunther. No, okay. So he's the Intercontinental Champion. He's supposed to be a heel, but just, you know, everyone loves Walter. Those chops are amazing. So. Fair. Anyways, I'm going to watch some SummerSlam. And, you know, the mat- there are some matches there that I think will be very good. And some matches I will certainly skip. Logan Paul. Uh, I will say it was like. Eight. It was like eight fifty, actually, but maybe I was starting late. When does Raw start these days? Eight o'clock or nine? eight o'clock? Okay, well, it was like eight fifty, and I was trying to figure out how I could watch Raw on Monday night, 
And I was looking through this and that, and I was like, ah, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out and whatever. And it was, it was like 9.02 or whatever. And I was like, ah, I'll just open up the dirt sheets and see what did they start with. And they probably were much further in the show than I thought at the time. Um, but I read like the first sentence, and it was like, the Miz and Logan Paul are brought. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stop looking <laughs> now. I'm... I'm actually good. Yeah. I'm actually good without. I liked what right. they did. I didn't necessarily love who was doing it. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, oh my goodness. 40 minutes in already. What a world. Anything else new and exciting to talk about before we head into our emails there, my friend? Not offhand. Not offhand. A very wrestling centric podcast today. Hey, this is a podcast about wrestling. It is usually sometimes uh, podcast at ddtwrestling.com is where you can send those emails. We have five for you today. The first one comes from the bestest of all besties. Glenn, thank you again for letting us share your airwaves this weekend. WrestleMania 2023. Hi, guys. Thanks once again for joining me on Saturday. Really enjoyed seeing you both. And Mrs. Manson. I'm not going to be one of those delusional types that now think Vince has retired, that there will be some sort of opening of the forbidden door, whatever that means, between WWE and AEW. But putting your finishing booking hats on, what matchups would you like to see at next year's WrestleMania, if it did happen? Thanks, Glenn. Shield triple threat. They're so loud. I don't know how you don't hear these children. They're so freaking loud. Um... The shield triple threat, right? That's the one. If you could pull it off, that would be amazing. But I'm assuming if it did happen. Okay. I didn't I didn't read the last four words. I thought he was just wondering like what do what would I like to see at WrestleMania? And I'm like, Roman versus yeah. Roman versus Gunther would be really good. Yeah, no, it would be it would be uh Moxley versus Reigns versus Rollins. Triple threat match. That's definitely. Um, Kenny Omega versus John Cena. That would be good. That'd be very good. Um, the problem is I'm not super. Sting versus The Undertaker. At least a segment. I don't know sure. if I need to see them wrestle. Unless they. Hey, they want to do another. What was that boneyard match? They yeah, want to do another pre-produced. Ah, oh, that'd be amazing. Um, let's see here. Brian Danielson versus. The problem is, I don't know if WWE has a technical wizard on Daniel Brian Brian Danielson versus Oscar. Please, that's what I'd like to watch. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, there's not a ton, you know, who does Adam Cole wrestle? You know, I'd like to see a hangman Adam page versus Kevin Owens. Okay. The problem is, of course, if this was a forbidden door style match, there wouldn't be any storylines. No, but I feel like an Adam Page, Kevin Owens feud yeah. uh, could be good. I feel like they could play off each other. Very uh, well. I would like to see the Usos versus FTR. 
I'd rather see FTR versus the Briscoe brothers again, and the Usos can just take the night off. Okay, but how how are you gonna get <laughs> how are you gonna get the Briscoe signed to WWE by? They don't have to be. They're part of AEW. I suppose that's technically true. You could just have because <laughs> then you could do Usos versus FTR versus Briscoes versus New Day, and it's just the four quote unquote most well at least the four most popular teams of the last decade. The Righteous, that group we were talking about with Dutch. Yes, are they a Ring of Honor group or are they an AEW? They're a Ring of Honor group. Okay, I thought so. Now, granted, no, now granted, is, I don't know that there are exclusive contracts. So is Dalton Castle AEW or is he Ring of Honor? He's technically Ring of Honor. Because that was the one thing I thought was strange about that. But I guess it was not actually that strange because it's not really a Forbidden Door pay-per-view. It was a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Um, that match to me was just like, huh, that's just two groups of people that I know nothing about. Because like Roosh, at least I've seen on AEW. Um, I felt like there was more of a 50-50 for a lot of the other matches. Claudio, mm-hmm. obviously, is from AEW. Samoa Joe, I think of as being from AEW even though I guess he's really ring of honor at this point. I, I don't know. Um, uh, Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Andrade and Charlotte. Are we allowed to do that? And just you can. Who does orange Cassidy fight? The Miz. I would like to see the Miz grow increasingly frustrated <laughs> with orange Cassidy. We book I good think that show. could be very entertaining. We book good shows. Uh, Jade Cargill versus Sasha Banks. If Sasha Banks was still part of it. Um, yeah, I think Thunder Rosa versus Asuka. If Asuka's not wrestling. Ruby Soho versus Liv Morgan in a grudge Ooh, match. With Sarah Logan as the special referee. Yes. All right. There you go. <laughs> Send the check, WWE AEW. Uh, Jeffrey, hello from the vineyard. Hey, guys, how goes the summer? Any more plans to come to Martha's Vineyard? Not offhand for myself. No. Anyways, current wrestling question. Now that Vince has retired, thoughts on Demolition getting into the Hall of Fame finally? I don't know. Did Vince have a problem with Demolition? I can't see why. All right. Uh, any other relationships with former wrestlers that could be mended now that he's gone? Hoping you could base on this on the next pos- podcast episode. Also, I brought up weird food combinations a while back, but stumbled upon this. Had fries the other day, mixed barbecue sauce, ranch, and ketchup. Very, very good. Thoughts would you try? Thanks. Jeffrey from Massachusetts, who doesn't have the Twitter. Send for my iPhone. Uh, a quick Google tells me that speculation is that because demolition was part of the lawsuit filed against WWE about concussions, that's why they're not in. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. So yeah, we think demolition could get into the hall of fame sooner or later. Sure. Cause sooner or later, they're going to put everybody in there. Yeah. Uh, relationships with former wrestlers. Maybe Sasha, Banks. but that would be it. That's the one <laughs> because like all these other ones, you know, like, is there a wrestler who's currently, like, not? They mended fences with Angle. They mended fences with Jarrett. They mended fences with Brett. Mick Foley, I think, just signed a new Legends deal. He did. 
let's bring him back. You want to you want to change things up. Bring back Commissioner Foley in 2022. I, I've been listening to that Foley is Pod show. Interesting. I've mentioned that before, mm-hmm. and you know it's clear that his mind wanders a bit, and maybe he doesn't have quite as sharp a recollection as he once had. Um, but it amazes me, really, at least how he presents himself, but it amazes me how thoughtful of a wrestler uh, he, or as a person that he is. And I mean that in multiple senses. I mean that in, in, you know, in terms of, you know, he does a lot of good charity work and things like that. Um, But also just like the amount of thought that he put into angles and characters and, and, you know, the, the types of ideas that he would bring to the various promoters sound like he was a very active participant in forming his characters and his career in a way that I just, I guess I wasn't, I was not previously aware of even having read his books. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just interesting guy. Yeah. McFoy is an interesting dude. I know that, you know, having read, have a nice day multiple times. You know, I know that Vince came to him with some ideas for mankind and asked his opinion, and he decided to just be honest, because most people wouldn't, and just be like, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And Vince kind of respected that and was like, all right, well, then what do you think? And he was able to like offer some creative input. But uh, yeah, uh, I listen to the William Regal podcast every week, and it is... Uh, I think I go on tangents when I record a podcast. He's got tangents on top of tangents. Um, So, you know, yeah. Uh, Sasha Banks is the only name I can think of. And would I mix barbecue sauce, ranch, and ketchup? Sure. There's enough there to kind of. I mean, barbecue sauce already has ketchup into it to some degree, depending on the type of barbecue sauce. But I do like ketchup, so I'll take double ketchup. Yeah, and then. But in the ranch in there, that seems a little strange. But I, it doesn't gross me out. I have you had the Stonewall Kitchen ketchup that's got like chunks in it? Uh, no, I have not. They have, um, yeah, they have a ketchup that's like a country style ketchup. And obviously it's got, I don't know if there's pickles in there or whatever it is, but it's, you know, it's got texture to it. I don't particularly care for it, but I could imagine some people wanting that in there. It's what it made me think of with the ranch. Ah, are we going to Philadelphia for WrestleMania 40 in 2024? I don't think so. All right, just checking. Uh, our next email comes from Che Illness. Hey, guys. Our household has been struck by a sickness bug this week, affecting three out oh, of four. That's a shame. What is the worst illness slash sickness you've ever experienced? Also, what is your go-to home comfort when feeling under the weather? All the best. Cha three. <laughs> Cha three. Cha three. He's rebranding himself. I uh, hope everybody's feeling better and makes a quick turnaround. <sighs> Obviously, you know, the appendectomy, that was probably the worst. May have, I don't even know if that's the worst pain I've ever felt. That's not even really like an illness. Like, I guess there's a recovery period there, but it's not like you were sick. No. An emergency situation, which they operated on. But it's not like you were sick. No. Uh, The fact that I, you know. I mean, although I guess, I guess an appendix being inflamed is an infection. Yeah. So. 
uh, I, I, what I actually think of is, you know, um, the number of times I vomited <laughs> as a kid into college, like we're talking, especially in college, daily. And I think, you know, whether that was stomach issues or just the fact that I was left to my own devices and had no filter in terms of, you know, people get full and stop eating. I was full and kept eating because it tasted good. And, um, you know, and then following that up with three liters of Diet Coke and a pack of microwavable buffalo wings every night. And I absolutely destroyed the internal stomach lining. Uh, and, you know, was on some pretty serious meds for a while, had to, you know, there was talk of surgery. Luckily, that was avoided. But, you know, it was probably somewhat self-imposed, but I was, you know, I would consider that an illness for a bit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what about you? I mean, I've been sick. I've had some sort of flu, puking and pooping, both ends going at the same time. You know, something like that that lasts a few days. That's probably the worst I've had of it. But who, I have, who amongst I, us haven't? haven't I have that? thankfully never had both happen at the same time. Well, I don't know about exactly. The uh, same so that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like literally you need to you need to redecorate the bathroom when you're done. I definitely feel like I have vomited into a toilet and then had to evacuate my bowels yes. while the barf is still in the toilet. It's not exactly the same time. But, Pretty close. No, I'm thinking yeah. I'm thinking like you're you're balanced between, you know, trash your can ass and toilet over the tub or yeah. vice versa. Yeah, okay. But um you know, what's my go-to home comfort when feeling under the weather? When I feel sick, I feel like I mentioned this recently, uh, I go to bed and I watch stand up. And yeah, you did mention and wonton soup, which is my just in general comfort food. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine, um, I don't know, it's probably just you know, curl up on the couch with a blanket and put on a the horror movie or some YouTube these days. Um, but when I think like over the course of my life. And I think like go to comfort for when sick, it probably wasn't the best choices. But I, I again, I've probably mentioned this before. Like when I was a kid and I was sick, like nostalgically speaking, my mom would bring me home usually like McDonald's or something like that. Just a cheeseburger, some fries, a vanilla milkshake. And again, I'm sure when you're sick, a vanilla shake isn't the best thing to be drinking. Uh, but I remember getting that kind of like that kind of comfort food. When I was homesick from school, and that's a fond memory. Mm -hmm. Haven't done that in years, but um. yeah, childhood-wise, when I was stomach sick, um, my dad. This is such a weird thing, but my dad would toast me some bread and put applesauce on it. Yeah, it's bland, right? Yeah, I mean, and then right, and for some reason, like if I ever make, I've made that for myself a couple of times when battling a stomach bug, and I am instantly like six years old again as soon yeah. as I bite into it. Um, all right. Thank you, Che, again. Hope everyone's doing well. Rachel emails, so DC dot 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 dot. Last week, you stated that a WWE slash AEW event was a Vince McMahon away from happening. You said if Steph and Trips were in charge, then maybe. Are you a psychic? So now that it's actually happened, do you still think 
that's a possibility. If a WWE AEW show were to happen, what would be some of your dream matches? Also, I loved your guys' idea for Moxley showing up to get involved with Reigns and Rollins. Just imagining Wild Thing as a surprise on a WWE show gives me goosebumps. I'm proud of myself for actually caring enough about the goings-on to ask a wrestling question this week, so thanks for humoring me, Rochelle. Uh... You can tell that this is what I've done everybody's mind is we're getting multiple emails that are pretty much the same thing. Um, often, you know, if Big E were to be healthy and able to return to wrestling and he is seemingly healthy and happy, the question is whether or not he ever returns to wrestling. I would love to see him and uh, Kofi or Xavier take on Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Okay. That would be. There's another dream match that you could you could throw in there. Um, But yeah, I think we've covered it. I I do think we get. Actually, I don't know. I do think John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose makes a return to the WWE. Um, You think so? Whether it's to at some point the Shield's getting into the Hall of Fame. And I imagine sure. he'll at least be there for that. But, I, you know, I don't know. It depends on, you know, how long things go. Like, how long is contract? Tony Khan apparently is uh, sharing how much time people have on their contracts because everyone's assuming that Triple H is going to try to get, you know, steal Adam Cole back, steal, you know, this person and this person back from AEW. And a lot of these talents have five-year contracts. You know, 2034, 2035, Moxley wants to be a part-timer, and, you know, there's still stories to be told. I don't know. And, and you know, we've seen weirder things happen than they do some sort of talent exchange. Maybe Moxley appears on WWE programming but never wrestles for them. Moxley just had some very strong anti-WWE sentiments when he left, you know? So, I mean, I guess having somebody else in charge could help with that, but I don't know. Never say never about anything, I guess. Exactly. Our last email comes from Nate. Email! Good afternoon, fellas. With SummerSlam, once more from the top, with SummerSlam approaching and summer dwindling down, I'm trying to enjoy every warm day we get as much outside as possible. Winter is depressing, and it'll be here before we know it. Move out of Minnesota. With Triple H taking over, at least, we might get something a little different in the coming months. I got three very random and different questions this week. DC, who is the Shohohe Otani of the wrestling business? Someone who can do everything and do it well. We'll stop there. Uh, For you, Doc Manson, Shohei Otani is a baseball player for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I knew that. I know. You don't have to explain that to me. So what makes him so special then? Well, go ahead and tell us. In okay. your words. <laughs> uh, he is a pitcher and like he does usually you're a pitcher or you're a batter. He is the designated hitter and pitcher. 
and is doing both at a very, very, very high level. Uh, this keeps up. He is no doubt the MVP for 2022. Uh, who is the Shohei Otani of the wrestling business? Someone who can do everything and do it well. Well, he can't field. I'm sure he fields when he's, you know. Uh, the first name that comes to mind, interestingly enough, and this might be a polarizing choice for some people, uh, Becky Lynch. She's a good wrestler. She's a good talker. She can wrestle a variety of styles. Right. I'm, I'm trying to see a flaw in her in her game. She could wrestle Charlotte. She could wrestle, you know. Um, I would have said Adam Cole. Uh, you know, Adam Cole's another one where good wrestler, good talker. Tells a good story. So people like that, I would say. Do you, do you have someone, you know, someone who is, again, to use baseball terms, a five-tool player who can do everything very well? Except for field? Well, a five-tool player can field. I'm, eventually, the ball gets hit back to the pitcher's mound, and the guy's got to pick it up and throw it to first base. Technically, that's fielding. Okay. All right. Um. Somebody who can do everything. Somebody who's shaping up to be an MVP right now. Ah, probably Dan Housen. I listened to the uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Fan where they interview Dan Housen. Oh. And he's, so he's explaining to you know Conan what he does and what he's doing and all of that. Uh, Dax Harwood of the Revi- of FTR also comes to mind. Very good promo, excellent tag team wrestler, very good singles wrestler. Like, you know, Dax is the bald one. Dax is the bald one with the stash now. Yes, yeah, he's got a good stash. Yeah, uh, Doc, what is your favorite and least favorite horror trope of all time? Tropes, huh? Um. Hmm. I'm gonna need to get some inspiration for this one. Horror tropes. Uh. Da, da, da. Gosh. Gosh. Um. I hate in a horror movie when your protagonists briefly get the upper hand against the killer or the creature or whatever. You know, they stab it once or they they knock it down and then they drop their weapon and try to walk away. Um, Like, just beat the living shit out of them. Just keep stabbing. Stab until you're sure it's dead. Um, that's probably one of my least favorite tropes. Why would you drop your weapon? Why would you walk away? You've got momentarily the upper hand. Fucking capitalize. Um, and my favorite horror trope. Hmm. Favorite horror trope. Jeez. Jeez. 
while you're thinking, I'm going to go with the cat jump scare where you, you set up a scene, you have all sorts of tension. You've got the moody lights, you've got the music playing, you build to a crescendo You know, you've got your protagonist exploring a basement or a boiler room or an attic and you're building and building and building. And then boom, and the release is a spring loaded cat that somebody placed on top of a shelf coming out of nowhere, springing into frame and scaring the pants off the audience. Cheap jump scare, yes, but so stupid that I can't help but respect it. How do you feel about the, and this could be any gender, I'm running away from the bad guy and within five seconds I trip and fall? It doesn't happen as often as you think. Um, And when it does happen, I don't know, man. Depends on the circumstances. Like, if you're running in the woods, I get it. But, yeah, it can be pretty silly. Yeah. Number three. Do you guys ever get in serious fights, disagreements with your wives? And how do you resolve the issue and fix the tension after the argument? Don't know that we've ever been asked this question before. Which, after seven years or so, is pretty impressive. I don't know that we ever have serious fights or disagreements, but we definitely get mad at each other sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't know necessarily that I would categorize any of those as serious. Like, I don't think any of the fights that I can think of us having are like, you know, shaking the bedrock of the foundation of the relationship or yeah. anything like that. Cause I think you could have serious fights or disagreements that are, that are to do with the very fabric of the relationship. And I don't think those are the types that we have, that we have. Um, although sometimes we do get quite mad at each other. And I think the only way that you resolve and fix those issues is by swallowing your emotions for a minute and, you know, taking a step back and self-reflecting and saying, okay, I understand what you're saying, assuming you are able to you know, self-reflect and understand the argument they're making, but then also saying, well, listen, this is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And, I'm sorry if I'm misinterpreting you, but the way I am hearing this makes me feel this way. And, you know, actually going there, talking about your feelings and emotions and why you are reacting the way you are, even if you can't come to an agreement on that, being able to open the field to have a discussion about why the two of you are reacting to each other, the way you are happening can go along, can go a long way to, to opening up the conversation and helping Mm -hmm. to resolve the underlying tension or whatever that has caused that to occur. Have you ever had a fight where you've slept separately? I don't think so. I mean, I think I've had a fight where like, It's not really a fight, though. It's more like I was dead asleep. I got woken up by snoring or something, and I'm half asleep and I'm angry. So I grab my pillow and I stalk to the other bed to go to sleep. That's that's different. That's kind of different. Have you ever had a fight where one of you leaves the house in anger? Which I know is difficult when only one of you drives. (laughs) No, no. I'm too stubborn to drive away, so. Yeah. I'd rather talk about my feelings. That is the important part. Like I I have learned in this 
now more than 15 year relationship. Um, the importance of took, cause I was the type of person who there was any sort of potential problem. And I was like, Oh, all right, it's not meant to be. Let's, let's move on before, you know, any of us gets further hurt. Um, so now I want to talk stuff out ad nauseum and, you know, sometimes you do have to take a break, like you said, to reflect and be like, okay, let's take 15 minutes. And if we're still mad in 15 minutes, we can continue fighting. Otherwise more than likely we're like, Sorry for what I said when I was hungry. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Yeah. 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 We've gotten very good at. Hangry at, is a thing. Yes. We've gotten very good at jujitsuing to and laughing about stuff. Like if I seem, feel myself getting mad, I then over emote getting mad, which, you know, just Helps. makes me. Yeah. Diffuses. Great question, though. Great question. It's it's constant work. Constant work. Uh, enjoy your week. Hope it's great for both of you. Your bestie, Nate. Thank you, Nate and Rachel and Che and Jeffrey and Glenn. No email from Mrs. Manson this week, but that's okay. She's working on. She's failed us yet again. She's working on whatever project she's working on. She's always got something in the fire. Speaking of, what's your piece of positivity? What you got in the fire that you're excited about? Hmm. I have recently started exploring the world of analog horror. Um, Interesting. Which is sort of a subgenre of horror that's kind of all of the rage on YouTube right now, I would say. And it it is horror that utilizes usually it's usually more of a period piece emulating like the technologies of the eighties and nineties. A lot of times presenting things on old CRT televisions with static and, you know, maybe uh, the old style video recorders, how there would be, you know, lines in the feed and stuff like sure. that. Yeah. A bad overblown, overcompressed audio lights, overblown it's a very interesting aesthetic i guess um the two big ones that i'm sort of interested in are um well and one of them i've more so because one of the one that i've watched is called the back rooms i don't know if you're familiar with the concept of the back rooms it's it's a sort of like a internet horror thing that's been around for a few years they call it a, a creepy pasta it's born out of a subreddit on reddit where people okay. come up with short um horror ideas and anyways the back rooms is one that is stuck sort of in the pervasive uh sort of pervasively stuck in the mind of the collective mind of the internet for a few years and more recently maybe like eight months ago i'm not sure exactly on the time frame um but a person on youtube uh their their channel is i'm not sure if it's the channel the guy's name is kane pixels i think he's only like 17 years old um and maybe but he's very talented he's been putting together this back rooms story it's a series of videos they're maybe you know anywhere from two to eight minutes long and it's telling this this sort of disjointed story 
Um, and it's the thing I think is very interesting about it is it's not a linear narrative. Like the videos are shown out of sequence. A lot of it's just these flashes of images or technology and stuff. So like you're not getting a linear narrative. You're not getting a coherent narrative, um, but you're, you're sort of getting a sense of stuff. And again, things in videos aren't necessarily happening in the order that you're watching them. So picking up on things and just trying to figure out where they're happening in the timeline, it's kind of very interesting. And so the, the back rooms as a concept is um, basically think of it as, you know, the way I think of it is, well, if the, if the world that we live in is a simulation, then there must be like a staging area for the simulation. Like you'll see in a video game, like, you know, you sometimes you'll no clip through a wall and you'll find a staging area where maybe the artist dragged in 20 different street signs or something like that. that they were working on just sort of closed it off. The player character is never supposed to see it, but mm -hmm. it's there. Right. And so the back rooms is sort of like this. You can think of it almost like a, another dimension or something where, and the, the idea is that you can no clip, you know, pass through the geometry of our world by, by, you know, just happening to walk up against the wrong piece of floor or the wrong wall and slipping through it, just like you would in a video game and ending up in this other dimension. And the back rooms is this dimension of these disjointed repeating corridors. Usually it's depicted as having yellow wallpaper and sort of damp carpet and these, extremely bright humming fluorescent lights. And again, it's very disjointed. The corridors don't make sense. The walls and rooms don't necessarily form the way that you would form them. If you were a human designing a space for a human, but it almost looks like a random generated level made by an AI or something like that. I'm I've Googled it. It reminds me of the brick screensaver from like nineties windows. Okay. Where it was like a maze, yeah. but it was like all like the walls were all brick. But yeah. you know, and again it was it was just a lot of twists and turns that didn't necessarily go anywhere. And yeah, so on Kane Pixels doing so a lot of this is not his original idea. The backrooms, like I said, has existed for a while. Uh, there's lots of backrooms video games. There's other people doing stuff with it on YouTube. Um, but his series of videos that he's been putting out. I think there's like eight of them now are all very interesting. He's clearly very talented um, and he's putting together this neat disjointed narrative. And I'm very, I'm just excited to see where it goes next. Um, I'm also excited to check out the Mandela catalog, um, which I have not watched much of yet. I think I've seen one video of it and it's, it's sort of the opposite because the back rooms again, is sort of this overly lit, overly bright sort of, for the most part environment Mandela is more very much more darkness and like security camera footage and like lots of shadows, more atmospheric in that way. And it's got something to do, I think with doppelgangers. So people that look like people involved in the stories, like evil twin style things. I don't know. I haven't seen too much of it yet, but again, it's another big one that's very popular in this idea of analog horror. And I'm interested to check that out as well. Um, so yeah, I would say my foray into analog horror has got me excited this week. How about yourself, DC? What is your piece of positivity? <clears throat> uh, I wish I hadn't finished that watermelon seltzer. Ah. Um, my piece of positivity, you know, Doc and I formed an improv group together. 
in some various way years and years and years ago. Um, and the whole reason that I got into that, besides obviously just being a big improv fan, was that I had not succeeded in my original goal, which was auditioning for a campus acapella group. Right, yes. I did audition. It was terrible. Did not get the job. Um, but, you know, acapella music is always something that I've enjoyed, obviously with pentatonics and home free and voice play and all of those sorts of things. And it doesn't take long if you're a fan of finding that sort of stuff on YouTube to wind up accidentally stumbling into the world of the barbershop quartet. Okay. And I have spent a lot of time uh, these past weeks um, in the world of the barbershop quartet. And, you know, there's a society, of course, they have competitions that are obviously very popular. And, uh, you know, so I have greatly enjoyed the work, you know, such groups that I would not have known before, but the newfangled four and instant classic and um, other ones whose name after hours is another. Good All of these one. sound like wrestling factions to me. Well, it's kind of, you know, you've got a stable. There's four people. And they all have different voices, and some of them have, you know, some of them are serious. But again, what I like about this is I have yet to see a barbershop quartet that takes themselves seriously. I think they all recognize this thing we're doing is kind of silly. And so let's lean into that. So, you know, there was a group, the Newfangled Four, which had done Banana Phone as a song. And then they had done it multiple years in a row. And then one year they got it looked like they got it set up for that, except they literally Rick rolled everybody and just did the Rick rolling song. Um, you know, there's an interesting one where, you know, the song's called you got to change parts. And so the different singers are taking turns singing the different. Yeah. It's if you're at all a music fan and if you enjoy a good harmony, and I think many people do, uh, I, I recommend taking just, you know, 10 minutes, checking out some barbershop singing, and uh, I, think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. I'm going to go a step further and say, if you're a person who doesn't enjoy music in any shape or form, you've never once enjoyed a melody, uh, you might be a serial killer. That's fair. What? So there's four parts. There's the lead. There's the bass, and then there's the baritone and the tenor. What do you think you are? I'd, I've never known what like what part I would be. Probably a tenor. I'd like to think I'm a bass, but I don't think I can go that low. I can go yeah. low. I don't know if I can go that low. I think I'm the baritone. I think I'm the person who's singing pretty much the same note. Like I'm going within like five notes on the scale. Yeah, just to sort of keep the harmonies going. But I maybe baritone. Yeah, I can see that too. I don't know. But yeah, that's, you know, I, I've, I've set out with, you know, oh, I'm going to go watch this wrestling thing. And then I'm watching 20 minutes of barbershop. And then I wind up leaving the room and doing something else. So that's what I've been enjoying this week. We're about, I've hit about the halfway point of my summer. I don't know where it's gone, doc. Why does it melts away? Why does it leave me? 
But either way, we're not leaving you, even though we're coming up on our seven years. This is the anniversary show. Our, you know, that that lost episode on the date of Roddy Piper's death was July 31st, 2015. July 31st is, hold on, I don't know what day it is. 27th. It's the 27th? Holy shitballs. So Sunday. Sunday will be our anniversary. If you're free Sunday, Doc, I'll happily do an anniversary show with you and we can wax rhapsodic about this this journey we've taken. What are our goals for the next seven years? And how do we want our next 329 episodes to go? I hope my hope is that we lose less than five regular listeners between now and the next seven years. I hope I'll, I'll take that the other way. I'll hope I hope we gain five new regular listeners. Somebody eventually will stumble onto this show. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I'd like to think so. I would, Vizzini, I would. Uh, Doc Manson, anything else you'd like to say before we head out to that good night? If you'd like to have your thoughts read on the air, send us an email, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. You can listen to our entire back catalog of episodes by going wherever it is you download fine audio content like this podcast, DDT Wrestling. And of course, if you like what you've heard, and how could you? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT wrestling to give just a little bit of financial support to DC and doc. It helps us keep the lights on and it does keep this podcast train a chug lugging. He is Dr. Mankind at doc Manson. I am Durango Canyon at the DC Matthews. Have yourselves just the best, the best possible week. Enjoy SummerSlam if you choose to partake. And until we meet again, my friends, won't ya be a bestie? Doom, ba doom, 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 doom.